0: What's up, gamers? My name is Noah Hertz.
1: My name is Nathaniel Wilson. And welcome to Press Start. Episode number 69, Tori missing out.
0: That's great, isn't it? Tori was really bummed out she wasn't able to be here for uh, episode 69. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Tori was like, can you guys make sure to add a very nice for me? And so there's your very nice story that you asked us to throw in.
0: Welcome, Welcome to the show, Nathaniel. Uh, I hope you're doing well. You ready to talk about some video game news? I am. Let's just jump right into this. Um, we got a couple of news items this week that are like sort of not as breaking, but we did an interview episode last week, so we didn't touch on them at all. So I just want to kind of briefly run through some of these. First up, regulators in the UK have stopped Microsoft's huge acquisition of Activision Blizzard over... ...fears that they're going to stifle competition in the cloud gaming market. Which is very funny, because up to now... ...Microsoft has been running this huge PR defense about Call of Duty specifically. Because it seemed like American regulators were mostly concerned about the fact that... ...Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard would mean that they could stick Call of Duty on one console... ...and nobody else could access it. But what the UK's regulators have a problem with is instead microsoft's cloud gaming architecture considering microsoft per this polygon article accounts for 60 to 70 percent of global cloud gaming services already i think this is very funny because i like it when bad things happen to big corporations what are your thoughts
1: (laughs) it's interesting like microsoft has been saying all along that they weren't gonna do the call of duty thing and just release Mm -hmm. it on Xbox um i think this angle is like one that i hadn't really thought would be the reason that this would be stopped but i think it's like real and true that like cloud gaming in so many ways is the future um which is like it has its pros and cons you know like they in the polygon article they reference like the ability for people to spend less money buying a console that can't take discs yeah, and then they just will play games in the cloud or be downloading. And so I think it's like totally a fair reason to block it, um, which is cool because maybe it means that their appeal will fail, you know?
0: Yeah. There was a a good follow-up article on Polygon also from Nicole Carpenter. And I'm going to read this sentence here. There are a couple sentences. She says, Cloud gaming is considered a nascent market in a formative period that's defining how the new technology will be adopted by players. Companies have been toying with cloud gaming for more than 20 years, but the technology hasn't advanced enough to bring it to a wider audience until recently, that is. And I think uh, the point that she's making in part of this article and that I've heard some other people make too is that if there was a time to be hesitant about a big company and the potential for them to use cloud gaming to take over the market it's now because it has not evolved into an enormous thing and regulators generally are on the back foot when it comes to that kind of stuff and that's how we ended up with like the hyper monetized hyper corporate version of the internet that's how we ended up with the four different streaming companies that own every inch of the streaming tv and movie architecture and like I'm glad that someone is being a little hesitant about this. But the other angle here that I heard, this was a discussion on the latest or one of the latest episodes of Waypoint Radio, which put a pin in that for later. Um, They were saying that it's interesting because after with Brexit, UK's financial regulators, it's kind of unclear how much force they even have in this market nowadays because the U.K. is not the financial like market that it was pre-Brexit. So again, it's very interesting to me that it's like the U.K. is kind of like this, uh, this like relic almost of a period pre-Brexit when that was a they were a bigger force in the economy. And now it almost just looks like, I, I could very easily see a read that's like these stodgy British uh, old people just like not understanding cloud gaming. But um, I'm siding with the regulators here. Like, I just don't want this shit to happen.
1: Yeah, it's funny to, like, think back at this and compare it to, like, the TikTok Senate hearings that happened last month in the U.S. Yeah. And just, like, the general lack of understanding of tech and social media and anything that you plug into the wall in yeah. Congress in the United States, you know? And so... It's it's just like so fucked and it's impossible for so much of this stuff to not happen on the back foot because of the just lack of general understanding that these old ass people that are put in power have.
0: That's why it's so fascinating to me that since these are multinational corporations, even if they might have a huge base of operations in the United States, the the way global capitalism works is such that if one markets regulators reject it it could collapse the entire thing it's kind of like how there's that thing going on in europe right now with uh the regulation of the cords and like the charging ports and everybody having to use the universal one rather than apple stymieing that and how if that goes through in the eu that's going to affect phones in the u.s like it Mm. it is kind of fascinating that the interconnectedness of all of this is such that like Even if the U.S. is just like, shrug, go on ahead. I don't know what TikTok is anyway. Like, other countries with slightly better informed people can kind of affect how things happen here, too. I got another thing here. This one is pretty exciting. Sega of America, their workers are forming a union. And I think this is awesome. Um, This came out like a week or two ago now. There's no huge updates to the news. It's it's still pretty much the way it was a couple of weeks ago as of when we're recording now. Uh, a bunch of workers, it's 144 people as of April 26, who all work at the California headquarters for Sega of America across a bunch of different departments too, which is why this is especially interesting to me, have all filed to form a union and they have sent it off to vote. This is especially interesting because the more recent unions that have formed in the U.S. especially have mostly been among quality assurance uh, people within these organizations. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that QA workers are just treated so poorly in this industry. But this is not just QA workers. This is people across their localization teams, their product development, like all over the place. And so... I uh, I think I said one of the last couple of times we talked about Union stuff that, like, I was waiting for one to happen at one of the more major companies outside of, like, these smaller indie companies. And I don't really know if you could argue that Sega of America is a major company nowadays. It's not a Nintendo or a PlayStation. But, like, this definitely feels big. So, I don't know. I also love that it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, did you see that TikTok that was going around TikTok, like, a month ago that was, like... A 3d animation of sonic and he was explaining how to form a union did you see this (laughs) yes yes (laughs) it felt very uh it felt very prescient having seen that and then like two weeks later this news broke
1: yeah it's uh like i'm with you that it's tough to categorize sega as like a major player in gaming currently but like they it's still a big name and also it's like it's like a name that matters to people who don't give a shit about gaming in 2023, you know? That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's totally a big deal.
0: Yeah. I think another fun element to this too is that they are calling the union the Allied Employee Guild Improving Sega, or Aegis, A-E-G-I-S. And now their, their union slogan is, to be this good takes ages, which is a pun on an old Sega ad that was like, Showing how cool the Genesis was, and then it said it takes it, it it to be this good takes ages, and then the word ages flipped around and it was Sega. So I don't know, very cute, very tongue in cheek. Um, I think it's very awesome. I love that Sonic the Hedgehog is hopefully going to be a union. Like I- I'm with you, especially like in light of all the other union related stuff that's going on right now, like the writer's strike with the uh, with WGA. Like I love this shit. This like rolling snowball of union efforts across these big companies that really feels like it's picking up steam is is really really cool
1: yeah and then also just like both of us living in florida right now at a time when <laughs> shit, like, our yeah. legislative session just ended and like we're we saw legislation that is making it harder for people to join unions and for like unions to continue to function because they yeah. can't like stop them from being created instead they're like okay let's make it impossible for you to exist after creation yeah and so absolutely it, it definitely is always cool and like heartwarming to see this stuff crop up
0: yeah without a i don't know it's it's becoming increasingly obvious that unionization efforts hurt people in power hurt political parties that have majorities in a lot of places. And they're being more and more mask off about it. And it's less like, well, we're trying to protect the worker and this and this. It's becoming more and more like unions are bad and we want to make it harder to form a union. And so Mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah, in light of all of that, like, especially like I read this news and then I, I linked it here in our Google Doc and I'll link it below too. There was a really good article in the New Yorker where they were just talking to some of the folks who are a part of the WGA strike. It's called, Why Are TV Writers So Miserable? And I think it's like, we've talked ad nauseum on this show about how gaming has always styled itself as a as a medium that is wholly separate from TV, from other forms of entertainment because of how unique it is and how differently it is that it's made. But reading reading the the uh, stuff that these people in tv writers rooms are going through right now like i can't help but feel like a lot of it is universal across all these industries like some of the people interviewed in this new york article are talking about you know oh well they used to get to go out to these huge writers rooms and they used to be on set and they used to do all this and now the the measures that were introduced in an effort to keep the train moving when people were actually concerned about covid have now turned into cost saving measures so you don't ever get to go to the set of the show that you're working on. You only meet up with the other writers via Zoom. And that's because it's cheaper to do that. And I, I can't help but feel that is probably happening a lot of video game development studios do. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's uh, it's tough. I also wanted to shout out, too, that the Axios headline about this, about the Sega unionization, their their lead reads not even Sonic the Hedgehog can outrun the wave of unionization sweeping across the games industry. (laughs) Which is great. That's just a great lead. (laughs) All right, You want some bad news?
1: No, but give it to me.
0: I figured I'd put all the good stuff up front. Um, I'm gonna preface this with uh, a classic being in media sucks. So, just after BuzzFeed News collapsed, just after paper started to collapse, just after Some of these huge digital outlets that have been around for so long and have like really shaped how digital media works and looks have been collapsing. Turns out Vice is laying off a shitload of people and one of the groups in the crossfire of that is their video game vertical Waypoint and the podcast streaming other multimedia thing that goes along with it, Waypoint Radio, um... I don't know if you're big into Waypoint, if you've ever even really listened to it. I've been listening to it since I was like a freshman or sophomore in college. So, like, six or seven years now since I started listening to that podcast. Um, And this really sucks. This really, really sucks that Waypoint is
1: going away. I feel like every single time one of these big media layoffs happens, somebody. Just happens to be filming a "Get Ready with Me" TikTok for yes. the day, and I saw this TikTok yesterday of this person who was like, "Get ready with me for my day working remotely for Vice News," and then they open their laptop and it's like, "Bring the computer to Vice IT," and it's it's like, not only does it suck that these people are losing their jobs and that we're losing. Like credible media sources that are doing great work, but also just like the ruthlessness with which the rug is pulled out from under these people is just like horrible. And it's just happening all the time. Like this entire calendar year, like May just started, and we're just seeing like these media corps just like crash and crash and crash, and like these people just getting laid off. And it's just like, thousands and thousands of people have lost their jobs in just like yeah. terrible ways. Yeah.
0: Especially since like um, you and I weren't like doing this professionally. We were too young for that in, in the wake of like the Facebook pivot to video era. But my understanding of a lot of what's happening now is that it looks a lot like the pivot to video that was happening when Facebook got big. And I mean, you know, we later found out that Facebook was overinflating the numbers of views that its videos were getting to try and get people to move to this platform, and via domino effect, Facebook saying that their videos were getting more views than they were led to, like, the collapse of a lot of newspapers and media organizations in middle America, but this—it it, kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with, like, that corporatization of the internet and the, the walled garden model of, like, all of your information you get from Twitter— or all of your information you get from Facebook and you just click on stuff through that and it sucks because companies like BuzzFeed and like Vice for all of the problems Vice had like Vice was definitely cool for a hot second and then I think kind of stopped being cool in the public light but like Mm -hmm. Waypoint especially was like an unabashedly left-leaning overtly trying to push games media in a different direction in a way that, like, was not the standard at the time and still really isn't the standard. And it's just, it it sucks to see them caught in the crossfire. Um, What's interesting, too, in this case is that rather than, like, that person in the TikTok who just woke up one day and no longer had a job at Vice, when the layoffs were announced, like, at the very end of April, beginning of May, the Waypoint crew announced that they actually had a month left. And their theory there was that a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but people on the higher ups at Vice really fought to keep them on board. But it is kind of fascinating to me to see that they have given this group of people who are in most, if not all cases, pretty unabashedly anti-capitalist, an opportunity to keep working with like the guillotine floating above their necks of their layoffs so you've got these people recording another month of podcasts where it's like they have to hop on their podcast and be like, yippee, we love talking about this stuff, but we're about to be out of a job. <laughs> so it's it's kind of fascinating to see it happen in real time. Like the the episode of Waypoint Radio that came out right after this happened, they got on the mics and they were like, we're recording this 20 minutes after we got out of our exit interviews, which is just nuts. But- I, I don't know, it's the state of media sucks. It really, really sucks. And like we talk about this fairly often on the podcast, but I really can't imagine being somebody who is like going through college right now and is like, I can't wait to work in digital media. Da-da-da-da-da. Like it, it really seems like at least until big companies lay off this replacing writers with AI shit the most important thing you can do is like diversify and have different skills because you might not have a job tomorrow, you know?
1: Yeah. Like for me as someone who has spent this entire calendar year, like on the job market, as someone who's like coming to the end of a grad program, it's just, it's nice that I have like niche enough interests and specializations in my work yeah, that I didn't have to look for jobs that were disappearing. But like mm-hmm. so many of the people that I go to school with here and my colleagues are like looking out into the world at a job market that just doesn't exist. And yeah. it's horrible. And there's like, now there's all this competition between people who are getting out of school and people who are just getting laid off. And like, there's Just the limited amount of jobs and just like this influx of people who need them. And it's just very awful. It's very dark and it it just fucking sucks.
0: No, I mean, when we first started doing this podcast, it was so funny. Like when Tori and I first had the idea to do this, it was partly born out of like, this will be a fun way to keep up with each other now that we're no longer living in the same city and we both like video games. And the other element of it too was... Tori was looking for production jobs and wanted to keep her, like, voice strong. She wanted to keep herself in the game. She wanted to stay up. And I said, I will edit it because I want to keep my audio editing chops up. Because, like, I write now, but I don't know what the state of being a writer in the 2020s looks like, you know? And it's mm-hmm. it's dark and it sucks, but you, you kind of have to have other skills because... Like, I don't have to have this problem, and I don't think you, I work at a mom-and-pop newspaper, you're going into public media, like, newspapers are in a very strange place right now, but public media seems like it's growing in a strange way.
1: No, it definitely is. I've seen stuff where it's, like, the top 20 radio stations in the United States, and, like, a teen, a double-digit number of them are public radio stations, you know? That's so fascinating. That market is is growing, especially, like, there are the monsters and the giants of it. And like those ones yeah. especially are, are growing.
0: Well, and that's something I've observed with print too. Like, I mean, small peek behind the scenes. Like I, I work for a small newspaper that is mom and pop owned. And like, I don't get paid shit, but we have this perception of us in the community that is juxtaposed alongside a paper that is owned by USA Today, like the Gannett Corporation. So it's like when when I talk to literally anybody about the paper I work for, I hear oh you guys are so much better than the other newspaper and like we're growing now that hasn't really affected my salary yet but like we are growing you know like we we see trending upwards and i think that's because there is there is a lot of distrust from corporate owned media and rightfully so like i i i think there are a lot of really talented people working in corporate owned media but like you constantly have that sword over your neck of like you could get fired tomorrow and you know like part of this whole thing too is like i won't lie i talked to tori about this too like i had this dream of writing for waypoint one of these days like i never had an idea that had like waypoint caliber but like i i went through college reading waypoint i listened to their podcast constantly we even had someone from their podcast on here like it's it has long been an inspiration and I think it would be an understatement to say that it like shaped how i view games media and also like how it shaped this show and I think like 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 I said so much ink has been spilled on this already and so many people have said it too but like I think the games media landscape is worse without them being around and vice mm-hmm. as a whole too like it just it sucks and then right after this news broke, it announced, Vice announced that they're going bankrupt, too. So it's <laughs> yippee. They're all collapsing completely. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, for anybody who was curious, too, Waypoint is also because they have a shitload of like coffee mugs and shit. And they're, uh, they're selling off their stuff on their website, the waypointgeneralstore.com which I'll link in the description below, for 15% off with a code. And the promo code is FCGH or fuck capitalism, go home, which is how they end every one of their episodes, which just one last little delicious morsel on top of this entire thing. Like being in media sucks, but we all consume media. So what are you going to do? Last news item, I think here, this is a fun, a fun little uh, different different lens look into digital media. So when does the new Zelda game come out? This shit comes out like in just a few days, 12. doesn't it? The 12th? Okay. So it won't be out by the time you probably listen to this, but it's it's coming out pretty damn soon. Um, Tears of the Kingdom leaked online. Big shocker. It's one of the most anticipated games, and it's a Nintendo game, and Nintendo games almost always leak early. So Tears of the Kingdom leaked online, and Kotaku wrote an article about what was in some of those leaks. So... You know, it it wasn't anything explicitly spoilery. They they were very clear about the fact that they were going to include spoilers. I'm not really going to go into it much here, but they talked about, like, some of the content of the game, some of the structure of the game, some of the story stuff, and people reacted very strongly to Kotaku even covering this. Like, it was very interesting.
1: I don't know. I think there's, like this what's the word i'm looking for like people want to root for nintendo so bad and they want nintendo to be so good because they love it and they're like sony bad microsoft bad nintendo good and Mm -hmm. so it's like that's the company with the mario guy and i love zelda so they can't be evil like all this stuff that we've heard about their quality assurance people in Nintendo of America, like, no, Nintendo can't be Mm -hmm. evil. And so it's just like, I don't know, it's the same shit that you see with Disney, right? Where it's like this megacorp that is evil and shady. And it's just like, but that's the one that made the movie that I love from when I was a baby. And so Mm -hmm. they can't be bad. And so it's interesting to think of people being upset with a media publication for publishing about something that's like definitely news and definitely newsworthy and like what what is Kotaku supposed to put articles out about if not like the biggest game of this year like the the biggest game since Elden Ring it's 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 huge. Everyone's going to get this and play this. It's about to like literally take over the world and the internet. And so they would, they would be doing a disservice by not covering this. And so it's crazy yeah. to me that people would be like, no, you're bad because I don't want to know. Like personally, I didn't want to know. And so I didn't read the article and I didn't watch yeah. the YouTube videos because I was like, I don't want to be spoiled. I don't want leaks, but they need to be covering it.
0: Mm-hmm. And also like this is part and parcel with the fact that this is, th- there are two elements to this in my mind. One is that people want to hate Kotaku so bad. They have wanted to hate Kotaku for years. Like the, the whole Gamergate shit from 10 years ago now was built out of hating women in media and hating Kotaku. Almost, ex- almost specifically Kotaku, you know, like, and part of it too is that Kotaku is a corporate owned media outlet is driven by clicks and this shit gets clicks like I agree with you part of it is that it is newsworthy like when a major game like this leaks especially a major game that people have big questions about even the structure of how it's going to play like this is news and also they've crunched the numbers and people are going to click on this now of course the fallout has been like okay well now it sounds like Kotaku's not going to get an early review copy of Tears of the Kingdom And weird nerds are celebrating that online for some reason. And part of it, too, is, like, some of the reaction from the Kotaku staff has been, like, weirdly just kind of antagonistic. And I I understand, like, as a writer, it sucks when people tell you that, like, not only do they hate your writing, but they hate the conceit behind your writing. Like, that's hard to hear. I don't know if you've ever gotten pushback on anything like that, but, like... I have not. it's It's tough when people tell you, like... Not only do I think this is bad, but I think the fact that you did it is bad. Like, that sucks. But mm-hmm. then to to go on the internet and be like... Like, a, one of the Kotaku guys posted something on Twitter where it was... He was like, this is how I view Nintendo not giving us a review copy of Tears of the Kingdom. And it was a picture of a World War II American, like, pilot who had The insignias on his plane of swastikas and rising sun flags for every pilot he had taken down. And people were sharing it and they were like, all right, dog, you don't have to be like racist about it. (laughs) Like, uh, Gene Park over at the Washington Post. Like, an Asian-American man shares it and is like, look, the most charitable read here is that uh, he's trying to stick it to a Japanese company by being kind of racist about it. Like, I don't know. Uh, It reminds me, you know that meme where it's like uh, uh, that clip from The Simpsons where like Apu's getting shot and Homer's like jumping in front of the bullet and it's labeled like Elon Musk and Elon Musk fans for some reason. (laughs) That's what it makes me think Mm -hmm.
1: of. I just found that tweet, and that shit is crazy.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, I get it. I get it. But, like, I think, in general, if you're a person who has any kind of a public-facing figure, comparing anything you're doing to anything that happened in World War II is probably just not a great look, you know? Because then I saw people comparing it. They were like, this is exactly what got Gina Carano fired from Disney. And I was like, all right, all right, let's back up a second. That's not quite the same thing. But <laughs> <What? laughs> like Gina Carano did the whole uh, getting back. people making fun of people who aren't vaccinated is the same thing as when the Jews got killed in mass. Uh, I don't I'm not exactly sure <laughs> those things are the same, but I don't know. You're going to get to the kingdom, aren't you?
1: I pre-ordered it, yeah. I nice. got the Nintendo Switch vouchers so oh, that I could get nice. it cheaper than $70. That's smart. Are you going to get it? Because I know you're a big not wanting to spend $70 on a video game, man, yourself. This is true. So this is true. what is I, your plan?
0: I'm kind of on the fence about it, honestly. Like, um, I, I don't actually own a copy of Breath of the Wild. I played Breath of the Wild on one of my roommate's Switches back when he had a Switch and I didn't when I was in college. And, like, I adored it. I adored every minute of that game. I put an insane amount of hours into it, but I put so much time into it that when I got my own Switch, I was like, I don't really need to buy Breath of the Wild. Like, I've put so much time into it, and I'm so far removed from that now that part of me is like, this would scratch an itch that I haven't scratched in a long time, and that would be nice. And another part of me is like, I didn't beat the last big open world game that I got. Granted, I easily put $60 worth of fun and time into Elden Ring. I feel very good about the time that I put into that game. And I know I'm going to revisit it. And I know that if I got Tears of the Kingdom day one, it's not something I would play for three days and then never pick up again. But yeah, part of me does have that like, this is going to be another huge game, and I'm not sure that I should pick it up immediately. But also like... I know everyone's going to be talking about it. And I know being a part of that conversation is really fun, especially when it's Zelda. So I don't know. I'm not quite sure. If you got the game vouchers, you get two games, right? Are you saving your second game or?
1: No, I got Pokemon Scarlet, which I haven't played yet. Tori and I talked about that because she has Violet. I'm pretty sure I might have this backwards. I'm like 99% sure Tori has Violet and I have Scarlet. And so I have not started playing that yet. But I knew that I wanted to get that and I knew that I wanted to get Tears of the Kingdom. And so I spending $100 and getting those two games instead of spending $130, like $30 off is crazy. Especially since Nintendo first party games just don't go on sale. And so... No, that's true. It's cool. I was going to say, if you don't get this game, you're going to have to edit me and Tori talking about it. And so I just feel like you should get it.
0: I also don't care about spoilers that much like i don't know i i've been on the internet long enough
1: i mean more fomo than spoilers
0: no that's true that's true you're right um yeah i don't know i'm i'm a little torn on it uh i think it looks great i've really been enjoying i've been enjoying both the little bits that we've seen of it and uh and the leaks that i read courtesy of kotaku but also like the lack of information about it has been kind of fun too because I don't know. I I think uh, the lead up to a Zelda game releasing, and here here I just critique Nintendo for ruining people's lives for posting like pictures of a game that hasn't released online yet, and I'm gonna praise them now. But uh, the lead up to a Zelda game feels a lot like the lead up to like a Smash Bros game. Like the the feeling in the air when people talk about it is just really fun. Like that that excitement mm-hmm. about. What it's going to play like and where it's going to place in like relation to other Zelda games and that kind of thing. It's just like it's a really fun time to be into video games. I don't know. It's cool.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited for this. And I'll kind of transition us into our next part of the podcast and talking about it. Like uh, last time I was on, I talked to Tori about how I was going to I was playing Breath of the Wild and how I was going to get as far as I could in it before Tears of the Kingdom came out but Mm -hmm. how Jedi Survivor was like going to interrupt my Breath of the Wild grind because I had pre-ordered that and I wanted to play it first day. Um, And so it's interesting because like it was the end of the semester, but I was still trying to dedicate time to like really getting far through Breath of the Wild. And so in taking a break from that to play Jedi Survivor, which is what I'm currently doing, um, I kind of miss how the Zelda game plays compared to Jedi Survivor, which is like just making me more excited for Tears of the Kingdom, you know? That's funny. And like yeah. you played, you played the first one of those Star Wars games. What is the first one called?
0: Uh, Fallen Order. Fallen right? Order.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like th- it's, it's ostensibly like the same mechanics feeling worlds where like, There's so much of the world that you can interact with, but there's like even more that you cannot interact with, you know? Yeah. And so it's just like, I'll be playing Jedi Survivor and it's like, I know they want me to solve a puzzle and I'm at point A and I need to get to point B. And I'm like, so I know I need to fucking do all their crazy shit so I can get there. But it's like, wouldn't it be cooler if I could just climb the wall? and, like, invent my own way of getting up there. And, like, yeah. I am really enjoying Jedi Survivor, and I'll talk about that in a sec. But it's, like, there, the creativity comes in different parts of the game, and I'm missing it in, like, the moving around and exploring the world type of way, you know? Like, yeah. that is the, the thing that I was loving most about Breath of the Wild, honestly, like, more than even trying to get through the campaign, was just, like the creativity in movement and exploration and i know this is all stuff that people were saying like six years ago but i'm playing (laughs) it for the first time so that's how i'm feeling and i'm enjoying it
0: yeah no that's that's interesting too because like all right now i want to hear about jedi survivor because when i played fallen order uh creativity at solving puzzles and like crafting your own way through things is not something that you get in that game granted like the puzzles were fun. I I enjoyed them. I know people kind of shit on, like, some of the physics puzzles with, like, moving a big ball around to get it into a thing. And there is something, like, very comical about the fact that, like, I don't know, when you're in combat, using a force push ability drains your force meter. But when you're out of combat, it doesn't. So you can walk around just, like, spamming the force push ability. And that's, like, very funny to imagine, like, one of the characters in the movie just, like, holding their hand out and there's, like, a constant burst of wind coming from it. But uh, I really I really enjoyed Fallen Order. So I, I want to hear about how you're enjoying Survivor.
1: Spoiler alert. There is so much more putting a ball into a thing. Really? In Jedi Survivor <laughs> than there was in Fallen, Fallen Order. That's there funny. is so goddamn much of force pull a purple ball and force throw it into a into a ring for That's me to That's very like, funny. Open up a bridge or turn on a fucking ray mm-hmm. or something. So some background info real quick. Mm-hmm. Fallen Order came out last Friday. We're recording this on Saturday. So it's been mm-hmm. out for nine days now. I work at five in the morning. Um, and I worked from five to eight thirty on Friday. And then I had to go out of town last weekend. And so my plan was to. Go home from work and play as much Fallen Order as I could before I had to leave Gainesville. And, but my goddamn wallet got stolen at work. What? On Friday. Yes. My wallet got stolen. And I was like, I know I have to travel later today. So I need to go to the DMV and buy a new driver's license. And then I was like, and I was like, and I have to get into the building at work tomorrow or on Monday. So I need to go get a new student ID. And yeah. so, like day one of me playing the game, I did get probably two hours in, but it, my my first day of it was just just absolutely ruined by my wallet yeah. getting stolen. My credit card got used. It was God. just like all types of whack. What yeah. year is it? It still now.
0: steals whole wallets. That's crazy.
1: Who's who was stealing a wallet out of a school building at eight yeah. in the morning? Yeah,
0: that's crazy. That's
1: crazy. Um, but I texted you when i had only been playing the game for like 30 minutes probably and i was like this feels so much better than fallen order and yeah. i think they sped up the movement which makes the game feel way better you i i and i would have to go back obviously and play fallen order again to figure out if it's actually faster but i feel like the movement is way more fluid you can they've like added more stuff that you can do in terms of like the running on the walls and the jumping and the the double jump like they've expanded yeah. on that and it's it's like not a game where it's like okay you beat the first game now let's start the second game cal got yeah. hit on top of the head and forgot how to do everything you don't have to relearn stuff the stuff that you're learning is like new stuff yes it's very I'm so cool. glad
0: about that especially since like it's it's one thing when the story reasons for you getting new abilities are just like you found a cool gun or you found cool boots and now you can jump twice. Like the story reasons in Fallen Order for you learning or relearning those abilities was like so much more about like Cal reconnecting with the Force and like reconnecting with this yeah. part of himself that he had shut off out of like fear and like uh just panic about the world. So like I am so glad they didn't go that route, but, like, I don't know, does it feel like you've hit the wall too fast in terms of, or hit the ceiling too fast in terms of, like, stuff you can learn, or?
1: No, because it keeps giving me more stuff, and it's in a different format. Like, you don't have to have trauma flashbacks (laughs) and do a Jedi Temple (laughs) trial to learn a new skill. It's more like the you'll find a force essence mm. and then it'll be like, oh, I've learned this new thing from some past Jedi who has just given it to me because I touched this hmm. essence. And That's so it'll cool. be stuff like it'll be stuff like um controlling an animal to fight with you or like you can control the low level enemies to fight against their own people and fight with you or stuff like confusing people. And I. I feel like there is still more that I have not gotten to because I'm I'm like a ways into the game, I feel like, but still stuff is being introduced constantly. Um, and so I don't feel like I've hit the ceiling. Also, I think they've just made everything that they introduced last game better in this one. And so hmm. it's just fun. It feels good to play. Sometimes, like, it's it sucks that you always, when you die, you know how it works where when you, like, fall off the map, you reload back with a little less health. Yeah. But if you die all the way, it just sends you back to your last rest point. hmm Like, that is kind of obnoxious when I'm, like, at a rest point, and then I will go and travel four minutes to go and fight an enemy, and then die to them, and then get sent back four minutes in time. And it's just like, eh. Sometimes I'll just be like, okay, I lost to an enemy twice, I'm turning off my Xbox for 20 minutes because I'm pissed <laughs> off, and I don't feel like I, I'm fine fighting if I could just fight, 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 but I don't want to I don't want to walk two minutes and climb yeah. so that I can get back to the same fight that I keep losing. But I think it's cool. It feels really good. It looks beautiful. It mm-hmm. looks so good. And That's so awesome. much of it is in engine. And so much of it looks so good in engine. Mm-hmm. And um the music is incredible. Uh the music is really, hmm. really damn good up and down. And yeah. so Whenever you get this game and play it, I think like that is something to be on the lookout for. It's like the music is really goddamn good up and down this game.
0: Hmm. That's really cool. Um, my understanding, isn't it true that some of the areas in this game are like way bigger in terms of exploration than they were in Fallen Order? Like, does it have like an open yeah, world element
1: or it does and there's like more stuff to do in the open world. Like there's this whole system where there are rumors and you can go and meet people and hear oh, wow. about a rumor and then have to like solve a side quest. I'm not really on a side quest grind right now. I'm really on a let's beat the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've not explored a whole lot of that stuff, but the worlds are all bigger. And um, I feel like the, your mini map looks better and makes more sense in this game. That's nice. Like that was That's one nice. of my, That was one of my least favorite things about Fallen Order is I thought that the mini map like really fucking sucked and was confusing. Yeah. So there would be times when I would play that game and I would be like deep into a world and be like, okay, I just want to leave now, and I can't read my map to get back to the mantis. Um, There's like fast travel too, I guess, which I have not used yet, but I feel like that is a much needed thing in this game for exploration when you can go like so deep into a world, just being able to like hit a button and pull out of it. Yeah.
0: Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I uh I'm I'm really excited to get to play with this at some point. And also like, I don't know, it's just nice that there is there's is, like a Star Wars game that is story focused and also like lightsaber focused considering Yeah. For a while it kind of seemed like all we were gonna get was first person shooters and dogfighting simulators. And like nothing wrong with that. There's a place for that, but i think the a place where there is a star wars game that focuses on lightsaber combat and like a cool story is that's good that's good we need that shit.
1: this game is like totally the exact thing that you and i would have wanted like 15 years ago that's awesome and it's like really awesome. i want it now and i love it now but yeah. i just mean like the the 11 year old version of me would have like died for this game
0: mm-hmm that's awesome i um i also think it's funny that this in coordination with this launch probably for May 4th, which I always forget people celebrate as Star Wars Day. Uh, they brought Star Wars stuff back to Fortnite. Um, have you messed with this at all?
1: I went on to buy the Anakin skin, but I haven't played it yet because I have really been dedicating my Xbox time to Fallen Order.
0: I'm grinding it a little bit because they're doing one of... It's kind of like when they did the, the Dragon Ball Z event where there's like free stuff you can get. And so if you get enough EXP in the period when they're doing this event, you'll get for free a like prequel era clone trooper skin. And I'm like, oh, shit, I want I want to see him do the Gangnam Style dance. So I'm trying to get that. Um, This Star Wars event, whereas the last one was very focused on like original trilogy era iconography. So it was like Darth Vader is roaming the map and the skins on sale are Revenge or Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker, and like Han Solo, and that kind of shit. Now, this time, it's prequel era iconography. So, the way it works is on the map, it's you'll encounter like these weird hologram versions of either Anakin, Obi Wan, or Darth Maul, and you go talk to them, and then they pull you into like a rip in the space time continuum, and you briefly leave the Fortnite map, like you disappear. And it's very funny because it does like a Star Wars screen wipe where it's like it looks like a clock and the screen wipes away it's really great and then you show back up and you have a lightsaber and you have a force ability depending on who you've talked to so when once you have that too when you have the lightsaber equipped you can run faster than you normally would and you can double jump which feels great it feels really great and so this is all happening in concert with the fact that there is still like attack on titan shit on the Fortnite map too so it's like not only can you pick up like the the zippy thing from Attack on Titans, so you can like Spider Man around. You can then like jump out of the Spider Man thing, equip a lightsaber, and then just go to town on somebody. Um, it's cool. It's cool. I really like it. I like when they add the lightsabers into Fortnite periodically. I think it's it's exactly what it takes to get me playing Fortnite again. And yeah, I it's also very interesting to see that it's prequel era iconography because I feel like the target audience of Fortnite is probably people who have a lot of nostalgia for the prequel movies. Like, I know you and I have a lot of... Yeah, exactly. We have a lot of nostalgia for them, too. But, like, we also have the nostalgia in concert with the era of people just shitting on them nonstop. So I think it's interesting, and I wonder, like, what kids nowadays think of the prequel movies, considering they grew up with the sequel movies that are, like not great for the most part not that the prequel eras or their people movies are that great but like you know what i mean
1: there was also just such a huge effort during the sequel trilogy to be like the prequels never happened and so it's hard to know how those kids would feel about it yeah I know my brothers don't give a shit about star wars they're like 11 and 9 and i've tried to get them into star wars and they just don't care about it and so i can't use them as my as my reference Damn,
0: we'll have to get some. We'll have to get some other kids to call in. Call in uh, if you're if you're under the age of twenty, call in and tell us what you think about a uh, Star Wars prequels. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's uh it's funny now that over the course of Fortnite's lifespan, they've now done fairly big events that are for each of the like eras of Star Wars. And I bet money the next time they do something big will probably be when like the Ahsoka show launches. They'll probably have more skins and stuff in that, but I feel like they've they've probably run out of opportunities to milk Nostalgia, or at least go for like the first time they're milking the Nostalgia. So, I mean, Fortnite is just like IP soup, so it'll be interesting to see what they do next. But in the meantime, I like that I can pick up a lightsaber.
1: Hmm. There was the... Uh... Like, for the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, they put it in theaters. Did you see that that was a thing?
0: I did. I kind of forgot it was happening and didn't bother to go buy a ticket. Did you, like, try to see it? or?
1: I, like, very much understood that it was happening and did not try to buy a ticket. Yeah. Like, Return of the Jedi is just not my shit at all. I just don't... I've never really loved Return of the Jedi. Huh. Um, But I didn't know. I didn't know if you were at all interested in partaking in that.
0: I'm definitely a Return of the Jedi head, but I, I don't know. I just didn't bother. Um, I, I think the next time I'll be in a movie theater will probably be when uh, Stop Making Sense is in theaters this summer. That's the, the the Talking Heads concert movie. You know that one?
1: Of course. What about Barbie?
0: Oh, yeah, Barbie. Barbie looks really good, too. Barbie looks really good, too. Um, yeah, I don't know.
1: Is there a Star Wars movie where it being in theaters today would get you to the theater today
0: uh, i don't know i mean do you remember when they re-released the phantom menace in 3d when we, we were kids when this happened
1: i do remember that though i didn't see it i but saw I it that.
0: it came out right around uh one of my friend's birthdays and so we made like an event of it to go see it for his birthday and it was like a big group of us and I remember at the time, the conceit was was that they were going to re-release all the Star Wars movies, one through six, in that order, in 3D in theaters, but it did not make enough money back, because shocker, they started with the fucking Phantom Menace, so they ended up just dropping the whole project altogether, and so... I like rushed as a kid to go see The Phantom Menace again in the theaters because, like, for all of its faults, I still have a lot of nostalgia for The Phantom Menace. I think it's granted, I say that the last time I tried to sit down and watch The Phantom Menace when I was in college, I only made it about two thirds of the way through and I got bored. But um, <laughs> I do still the think The
1: Phantom Menace is such a goddamn sleeper. That movie is so fucking boring. It's insanely long. It's so insanely long.
0: it's like you reach a point where most movies should have already wrapped up and they're like only just finishing the fucking Padre sequence (laughs) and it's like holy Mm -hmm. shit but yeah I don't know I think if they were to put like the theatrical version of A New Hope like the one where the special effects are worse and where uh, Han's neck isn't digitally edited to like bend in a strange way like that would get me into the theater but any of the like digitally altered post-Disney acquisition versions of these movies where it's just, like, a-, a puppet from 1977 and, like, a flawless CGI creature interacting with each other, I'm like, I'm good, man. I'm good.
1: <laughs> if they put Revenge of the Sith in the theaters, I would go see it right now. That'd probably get me. I would me. get off the podcast right now to That'd go see it. would get me, yeah.
0: Did you see it in theaters when it initially came out?
1: I did. I think I saw... Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith in theaters,
0: yeah, I did too. I did too. I still remember so vividly when I saw Revenge of the Sith in the theaters. it was opening night in 2005, and there was this guy in the front row who was cosplaying as Darth Vader and he was just like standing up and he was like standing up until the movie started. And so like I remember sitting there with my dad and everything and we were like, there's like this this silhouette of Darth Vader and we're like, is this fucker gonna sit down like ever? Or are we just gonna have to watch like this silhouette of Darth Vader throughout this entire movie? <laughs>
1: I remember I saw the midnight release of The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. and I remember um, there was like the mass shooting that happened in yeah. Aurora, the the opening night of that. And I'm pretty sure, I obviously I was at the movie, so I didn't know, but my stepdad had told my mom, he was like, there was a mass shooting at The Dark Knight. And my mom thought that there was a shooting at the movie theater that I was at, seeing it. Oh my god! It? Yeah, I can't even imagine. That's terrible. But oh my god! There were a bunch of dudes there dressed as the Joker and dressed as Batman, which of is course. just god, just terrifying. Take me back.
0: Take me back. <laughs> <laughs> Did you play any other games that you want to shout out?
1: Or no, I'm just playing Jedi Survivor and was playing Breath of the Wild. What about you?
0: I had a pretty busy work week, so I haven't really messed with a whole lot else either. I uh, I was still kind of grinding a bit on Final Fantasy VI until I hit a point in Final Fantasy VI where the difficulty kind of spiked, and I was like, all right, I'm going to lay off this for a few days. So uh, it's mostly been Final Fantasy VI and Fortnite. I've got a couple of smaller games on my, my uh, radar that I want to mess with, but I won't have anything intelligent to say about them until like a week from now when I can actually put more time into them. But mm-hmm. yeah, hectic work weeks, uh, you get home and the last thing I want to do is like, The last thing I have energy for is to put time into a game that I'm going to think critically about. Sometimes I get home from work and I'm like, I want to hit somebody with a lightsaber three times and then I want to go to sleep. So,
1: (laughs) Facts. I'm trying to get home from work and then ask where we drop in, boys.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you very much for joining me this week. Tori's on vacation and uh, was very bummed out that she couldn't be here for episode 69, but... What better way to ring in episode 69 than you and I talking about Star Wars for probably even longer than we talked about other video games?
1: <laughs> we can't be kept from, uh, from talking about it.
0: No, we absolutely can't. It's a disease. It's, it's a fucking brain disease. Um, where can people find you on the internet, Nathaniel?
1: People can find me on twitter.com at NathanBased.
0: I'm also on Twitter.com at Noah underscore Hertz spelled H U R T S. The podcast is on Twitter at press underscore start pod and on Tumblr at press hyphen start pod. You can email us, especially if you're under 20 and have thoughts about star Wars at hey_press_start at gmail.com. All of our intro and outro music is from the artist Geist. You can listen to more of their stuff at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. And our art, our show art is by Kai at wisp Graphics. And damn, I think that is about everything we got here. Uh, Any closing thoughts? Just uh, may the force be with you and shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and very nice.
0: Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, and also, uh, fun fact, people celebrate May 4th as Star Wars Day, but it's actually also the anniversary of the Kent State Massacre. So I don't know if Disney did that on purpose, but remember that as much as you love Star Wars, the Kent State Massacre is probably more important than Star Wars.
1: And it's the day before white people go to the bar and get margaritas. That's
0: true. That's true. White people love to say they love Mexico and Cinco de Mayo. (laughs) Happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Star Wars Day. And a somber anniversary of the Kent State Massacre to everybody listening. And thank you for listening. I think we do the intro we don't normally say my name is I got kind of fucked up there um, I Can think you say
1: I, I'm okay let's yeah st- let's start over <laughs> No, no 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 we don't need to run it back we don't need to run it back <laughs>